Amen. One of the mighty men went down into a snowy pit and slew a lion like man of Moab on a snowy day with a shepherd's rod. You and I can get out of bed and come to church. Amen. Praise God. Masses of Christianity, the slightest drop of rain, it's a storm, brother. You've got to stay home. <laughs> Glory. I'm glad I really got saved. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue this morning with our uh, study on the words of redemption. And so uh, it might be uh, well that we uh, would go back over... Um, uh, review of some of the facets of the word salvation we didn't get finished last week with the uh, study. And so uh, maybe we ought to just recap for a moment and get our uh, minds uh, working and our, uh, our uh, red corpuscles flowing and everybody can assimilate that coffee and, and, uh, and we can uh, start uh, getting in gear on the... Uh, on the thoughts. Any question this morning about the uh, about the uh, study? Remember, we're studying about salvation, and salvation is made up of three uh, words principally that are related: uh, soter, uh, sozo, soter, and soterio, and uh, means uh, save, savior, and salvation. All of these are interrelated, and uh, and uh, so we. Uh, I wonder if we raise any question that we might later rest this morning concerning that. Anybody? Any question that we uh, raised on that? What does it mean to be saved? That means that's a word that we shouldn't use. It's obsolete and outdated, right? We use conversion. <laughs> or decision. We don't ask anybody if they want to get saved. You saved? You offend them. We use modern words like decision and, uh, and uh, conversion and all that, don't we? No, we don't. It's good enough for the Bible. It's good enough for me. Besides, none of those words even come close to describing what the word means. And uh, salvation is not conversion. See, you can convert from Paul Malls to camels. But when you get saved, you don't use either one. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I had a hand down there. I stirred some interest somewhere. Somebody woke up right down in here. Oh, Brother Van Dyke. All right, it means uh, that you're saved from something, doesn't it? Not you're saved in something. Okay, that's good. Good observation. Somebody else. Uh, Sister Mayot. She says it doesn't just save us from sin as a conglomerate or a generality, uh, but it uh, is an ongoing thing day by day. In other words, we, we dealt in two specific facets, and that is that we're saved from the guilt and the penalty. That's theologically, right? But we also are saved practically, and uh, we are uh, being saved. And that's very important that we see that. That salvation is not a theological precept off somewhere in the future. There is a facet to that which we're going to 
conclude with this morning, but there's a, there's a practical aspect. And if you're saved, uh, you're saved. If you're not saved, you're not saved. If you're saved, you're saved and you're being saved. And uh, something's actually happening. It isn't a theological concept that uh, is, uh, is uh, laid back in somebody's theology book or doctrine or creed, but a person that gets saved actually has an experience of uh, salvation and it's practical and day by day. Sister Pop. Okay. Amen. We're going we're gonna to talk a little more about that this morning, justification. It's just as if I had never sinned. We're, uh, theologically speaking, we're not on probation. Praise God. We, when you get saved, you're ready right then for heaven. I'm, I'm no more saved today than I was 20 years ago. Thank God I'm not the same critter I was 20 years ago. But I'm just no more saved than I was 20 years ago. I was saved the first day that I said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, just as if I had never sinned. Charlie? It's uh, like when a person gets saved, inside of them they can feel a change and they don't do the same habits that they did many, you know, days before that. When a person gets saved, inside of them they can feel a change and they don't do the same habits uh, that they always did. Okay, it doesn't mean that we go by feelings because someday you, you get up and you don't feel saved at all. You might get up two days in a row and you don't feel that way. Matter of fact, you might go three or four, five, six months sometimes. So you might as well be prepared for that. But it doesn't make any difference. You see, it's not based on, my, on what I've done or my decision. That decree was not my decree. It was God's decree. And if He says it, then I'm willing to accept it. He knows what He's doing. What he says about me, I'm going to believe. If he says I'm righteous, I'm righteous. Amen? Okay. I saw hands going up everywhere. Over here, Dave. Yes. Right? Okay, we're going to deal a little bit more with that today and kind of nail that down. But that's a, that's a word that's all related. See, all these words are interlocked and dovetailed together and uh, with little distinctions of, uh, of meaning. Sister Burgess? Amen. It's a transformation. Jesus said, not many days hence, There'll be some of you standing here that will uh, not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God coming. Three days later, they were taken up into the mount and they saw Jesus transfigured, metamorpho, changed before them. Well, what they saw there was the basic principle of the kingdom of God, which is miracle transformation. See, that's what he was saying to them. You're going to see this. Now, we are being changed. We have been changed. We are being changed. We shall be changed. We shall be changed. In a moment of time, at an atom of time, that work that was begun at, at, uh, at the day that we knelt and is being carried out today will be completed in, a, in an atom of time. We're going to be transformed. Man alive. Glory to God. That's going to be far out. And this old flesh is going to be left behind, amen, and it's going to be fulfilled, glory to God. I believe Sister Burge is going to see that before she dies. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If you're wondering why she's hanging around here, that's why. 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. She believes that. Jesus is going to come before she dies. She's going to go by the way of the rapture instead of by the way of the grave. Brother Mark. Okay, that's back in another facet of truth in redemption, though. That means that we've been removed from the marketplace. We no longer are, are, are up for sale. He's removed the merchandise, put an alarm system on it, stamped it, padlocked it, and said, that belongs to me and I'm coming back for it. Don't tamper with it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Let's see, Bill... Okay, that's temporal victory. In other words, now. And this is why that, uh, that uh, the, the doctrine or the, the mouthing of, of theological word, well, we all sin every day. Well, that's not in the Bible. And whatever you're doing, you better quit it. See, the Bible says that we are to be saved from sin, not in sin. There's a vast difference. Sister Vossler. Salvation is a wholeness of the whole man, body, soul, and spirit. And uh, when people get saved, their relationships change with other people. See, the problem of division and strife and, and bickering and fighting and divorce and etc., home, broken homes and, and turmoil is because of sin. Sin divides. Sin has to do with the cross. Uh, sin is, is a crossing. Uh, of man's will with the will of God. And when we cross God's will, we immediately cross with our fellow man. And whoever is a crosswise with God, the minute you come in the presence, there's a clashing. Amen. They can feel that. The reason is that light has shined in darkness. And rats don't like uh, light. They begin to run for sewer pits because that's where it smells good. And they like that when you turn the lights on. And so the, the sinful nature is like that, doesn't like light. And when light comes in its presence, it begins to draw away from it and want to run. Okay, very good. Someone else? Brother Bill. Okay, it's an actuality, but that's in a different facet of truth. We're talking particularly about uh, salvation. Okay, we have been saved, we are being saved. Uh, uh, okay, any other, any question perhaps, or maybe we've raised some thought that you don't understand concerning this at the moment. Uh, one of our uh, girls I heard remark concerning her employer, and he said, I don't believe... See, we studied the second thought of, of, uh, of uh, uh, salvation is that uh, the temporal victory over sin is that we are being saved. And uh, he said, I don't believe that uh, anyone uh, uh, can be changed. Now, this man goes to a fundamental church. But the reason he doesn't is because he has never been changed. See, going into a chicken house doesn't make you a chicken. And going into a church doesn't make you a Christian. Contrary to popular opinion. And the reason he doesn't believe that people can be changed is because he's never been changed. And he has never seen anybody changed. See, when you see one of these freaks, uh, uh, 
Jack uh, Jack Harris was laughing the other night. He said uh, he's preaching down in Tempe, and who rolls up with a double knit suit on, gets out of a of a uh, of a uh, what kind of a car is that? A, uh, a Mustang three, and whips out like the successful young executive. But Hank Holden. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we saw Hank Houghton, he slept in his van, wore the dirtiest clothes that he could find anywhere. They'd stand by themselves. Matter of fact, I don't think he ever took them off. Got the biggest leather patch that he could put on the seat of his pants and both knees out of his, of his britches and came in with a tank top barefooted big long beard long haired and brought his dog and sat up in the altar space <laughs> and defied us to throw him out and so here we look down the road six years later and he's wheeling along pastor of a church preaching the gospel winning people to Jesus miraculously and gloriously changed now you and I know that it can be done because we have experienced it and we see it happen. So we know that salvation's real. Praise God. Okay, the third thing that we want to talk about is that the Christian will be saved. This is the final aspect, and when we get to sanctification, we're going to be, get, be running almost uh, a similar. A truth, and this has to do with the final deliverance and the blessing, and this involves the changing of our body. See, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, and this is the final state of salvation. The Christian will be saved from all that the curse brought at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. This involves the changing of the body. And we need a number of scriptures. I want 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. Will somebody get that Tom Thompson? And Hebrews 9, 28. Uh, Brother Van Dyke, Hebrews 9, 28. Sam, would you get for us Romans 13 and 11? Could I have somebody get 2 Peter 1, 5 and 9? Brother Danny Brown. Uh, Celia, would you like to get for me 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 54. It involves two facets of truth. One is the changing of our body or the salvation of the body. This is the final state when mankind himself is delivered from the curse that, that Adam brought because of sin. Uh, theologically and uh, legally, this has already been accomplished on Calvary when Jesus died and said it is finished. The, uh, the, the work was wrought. It was purchased. It was, uh, it was paid for. When he was raised from the dead, it was sealed and it was declared uh, to be valid by God himself. Legally it was done. But the outworking of that is in God's process of time. And uh, the final... Uh, conclusion of that will be in the changing of our bodies. That will be the final salvation or the final uh, blessing 
and deliverance is when the body itself is delivered. And uh, there will be no more sin. The body will not be uh, 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 tempted by sin. The soul will not be tempted. The body will not bear the curse. There will be no disease. There, the bodies will be changed. We shall be changed. Uh, and these vile bodies, the Scripture, shall be changed. We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be. Uh, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall know Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so all of these promises are in the Scripture and uh, many like, uh, like them. First Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. Okay, here speaks of the changing, this changing of the body. And there's a natural, there's a spiritual, there's a corruptible, there will be an incorruptible. And when Jesus showed them uh, upon the mount the kingdom of God, that miracle transformation, and there was Moses and Elijah with him, then he, dis uh, uh, he demonstrated unto us the essence of the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of that which we shall be when our bodies are transformed. Praise God. And God's final redemption shall have been wrought. Remember what redemption is. Redemption is God uh, reclaiming and making provision for reconciliation, reaching down and taking the creation that is corrupted by sin and reconciling it unto himself and fulfilling his original purpose and, and plan and design. See, God is not willing uh, to just simply... Give up because you and I have been stained by sin and rebellion and the enemy has come in and begin to destroy his work. God didn't just say, well, so what? He didn't just wipe the slate clean. But God went to work in redemption and to reclaim his creation and to restore it to himself and to fulfill his original purpose. See, God is not going to quit. He has a purpose for man. And his, his purpose for us is an eternal purpose. And his purpose for us is a glorious purpose. And His plan for us will blow our minds. We cannot con comprehend all that He has for us. And He'll not be denied that. He's going to see that fulfilled for everyone that will believe. Praise God. Okay, and so that involves the changing of these bodies because these bodies are not the same as they were when they were created in the garden. Sin has taken its toll and the, and the, and the, uh, the curse has taken and uh, set in upon man's whole being, body, soul, and spirit, and God will not have it so. He's not willing, but we were created to be eternal creatures. And that's what God intends that we shall be. Hebrews 9, 28. And so Christ died, and to them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin to salvation. See, that speaks of a future salvation, and that has to do with that time, that, that time when these bodies will be chained and sin will be no more. It will not have its power uh, and its effects, but the curse is removed in God's final outworking of salvation towards us who believe. Romans 13, 11. Yes, 
And that knowing the time now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's high time to awake and to arise to this fact because uh, this is something that we look forward to with tremendous anticipation. Second Peter 1, 5 and 9. Okay, we look towards this and uh, look for the final uh, outworking of that when the Lord Jesus uh, shall appear. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 54. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot acknowledge Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Okay, this I declare unto you, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He's speaking of the final stages of the kingdom of God. Remember, we've already established. Jesus said the kingdom of God's here right now. It's among you. It's present. It's not something that you, you think. It's not, it's not coming with an army uh, that's coming. It's right here, right now. It's arrived. And he said, you go and preach the kingdom of God. When you go into a town, you, you tell them the kingdom of God has, is here. It, it arrived when I came into town. So he's not talking about that facet of the kingdom of God. He's talking about the final kingdom or the final outworking of that kingdom when these bodies shall be changed. And he said, we cannot enter into the full relationship, though we are born again now. See, then, and uh, and uh, uh, there's a very popular radio and television preacher, Herbert W. Armstrong, and, and, and he, he wastes his entire message preaching that you can't be saved right now. Well, I've got news for you. He got to me too late. I've been saved. And if you'd have been around this town about 25 or 30 years ago, you could find evidence of it. I'm not the same person that I was. I got saved. Praise God. I got born again. That's what happened to me. And so this man is wrong. He's leading multitudes in error. And the kingdom of God is now, but the final outworking of that cannot be while these bodies are like this because these bodies are going to die and God, that's not God's plan for the kingdom, see. We shall be changed. And because you don't believe it, it doesn't make any difference. And I feel unbelief here this morning and God love you. I shall your faith or unbelief make the faith of God without effect. God can't deny himself and he does not deny himself and he is Real. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But out faith is impossible to please God. And I want you to know that when I was in sin, miserable, almost 25 years old, somebody preached to me that I could be saved and changed, and I was born into God's family and came into the kingdom of God. But there is a future facet, which is the changing of the body from the corruptible to the incorruptible. That has to do with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I want to touch on one other facet of this, and then we'll open for question and discussion. And that is that this involves not only us, but it involves the creation. And there will be a transition of the creation itself when this event transpires. This is found in Romans 8, 18 through 23. I'd like for somebody to get that for me over here. Romans 8. 18. Margaret Culver, maybe you'd like to get that for me. Romans 8, 18 through 23. I'd like Matthew 19, 28. Somebody over here. Sam Atkinson. The transition of the creation itself. 
See, something that uh, humanity does not readily recognize, and that is that the creation itself is under, under curse and responds to man's moral conduct. I, Time magazine blew my mind. Latest issue, and, uh, and it does a, a whole page on, on the, 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 the degeneracy of perversion and child molestation and child abuse uh, that is documented in the United States. You got pornographic films involving little baby children. Just a, an abomination in the sight of God. And I'm going to declare to you that when you and I allow these things to go on around us, we do not preach against pornography, perversion, and iniquity. Take a stand and bring the light of the Holy Ghost conviction. Our nation is doomed. If Sodom and Gomorrah was cursed, beloved, you want to know that our nation is going to go the same way. God will not stand by. And the, the, the horrible drought and upset and weather turmoil and earthquakes that are happening in the world today, the Bible teaches us that as these increase, and they are increasing, all you have to do is study and find out are a direct result of man's rebellion and sin. The physical creation is linked together with man's moral conduct. Amen. And if you don't believe that, you just hang around. It's going to get worse and worse. And when the saints of God go to be home and are lifted from this world, and then it finally it works out the direction it's going at the present time, then you'll get a whole stomach full of it. Amen. Read about it in the book of Revelation. You can have all the perversity that you enjoy with all the physical curses that this world is going to see in the creation also. Okay, Romans 8, 18 through 23. Okay, that speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. This is the manifestation of the sons of God. It is now, uh, beloved, uh, if the world uh, uh, know us not, you just understand that it knew Him not. Amen. But now are we the sons of God. It doesn't make any difference because the world doesn't know to recognize it. But when it's manifest is when Jesus shall come again and He shall make this manifest and the invisible creation shall be changed. The curse shall be lifted and, uh, and the prophets speak of a time when the lion and the adder uh, and the ox and the ass shall lay down together and a child shall play upon the, uh, in the presence of uh, reptiles and it shall not matter because the curse is removed from the earth. And the whole... And it says now that the visible creation groans and travails together until now. This earth is under the pain of the curse of sin. And as man has grown more degenerate, you say, you, do, you don't mean to tell me that man is growing more degenerate. I mean to tell you that man is growing more degenerate. He's not progressing at all. Just because he's got a college degree doesn't mean he's progressing. Education my friend, uh, is not progression. Matter of fact, sometimes it's the pathway to disaster. There's more people with degrees into witchcraft and a cult than any other percentage of class of people. Why? Because of man's degeneracy. He wants to achieve, he wants to strive, but he wants to do it without God. 
Well, I'll tell you, friend, that we'll never arrive without God, but the whole creation is degenerating and it's growing worse. Wicked men shall wax worse and worse, Jesus said, and that's exactly what is happening. Read the history of Rome. You find the very same curses uh, in Rome that brought it down that are at work in a civilization today and especially in America. Perversion, iniquity, sodomy, homosexuality, lesbianism, and the vileness of worshiping the creation and the occult was active and was predominant and is happening in the present moment before us. But the visible creation is bearing the result of that, is in turmoil and is in pain. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care what you don't believe. Read them. Read. I can read. No answer. Say, we don't, we don't understand. Uh, you can't predict weather anymore. We don't understand. Maybe, what is this strange? Is it, some, some says, well, the earth is cooling. And others say, well, the earth is warming. I have articles. I have both of them. They have long arguments of, of scientists. Earth is cooling. That's what the problem is. And others say, earth is warming. That's what the problem is. And others say it's hairspray and, and so on and so forth. I'll tell you what the problem is. You know what the problem is? It's Revelations 1, unto him who loved us and has washed us from our own sin, our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And to you that overcome, I will give to sit down with me in my throne. Are you following me? Okay, in the regeneration, that has to do not, not simply with the changing of our body when our body is changed, but it also is going to affect the entire physical creation of this world. Amen. Hebrews says, and it was fitting uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, there be a cleansing, uh, but the heavens must be cleansed. It talks about a cleansing that reaches beyond just man's personal sin. It talks about the heavens themselves or all of God's creation and universe being cleansed from the curse of sin. See, we're not just talking about a little, a little uh, marble game that we're playing down here. This involves the entire ball of wax. And it reaches far beyond. It, it, you know, every time you get the feeling like you're mully grubbing and, and you get the poor me's. <laughs> Just start thinking about the, the glorious thing that God is doing, this, this fantastic, far-reaching, overwhelming plan that, that, that involves the entire universe. And then remember that God, while He's involved with this fantastic thing, reached down and said, Guess what? Chuck Palmondale is going to have a part in that. wrote his name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That far out? Okay, we're going to stop there for a little discussion before we uh, nail down uh, this thought. We sh shall be changed. We have been changed. We are being changed. We shall be changed.
We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. We stirred anybody's uh, questioner up yet? Uh, Gail Nur. Well, resurrection, there's a resurrection of, of uh, life and there's a resurrection of damnation. And if you've been around here very long, you've heard me teach that, that just simply dying and going to hell, that doesn't end it. That's just an intermediate state, just waiting for the final. Because the Scripture declares that uh, in Revelation 20, that uh, dead, the dead and uh, death and hell will give up the dead which are in them, and they're going to be resurrected in the eternal body to bear eternal punishment. See, hell isn't the final answer. That isn't the final state. That's the awfulness. Uh, if you think you're just going to die and that's going to be on it, all kinds of articles. I'll have to preach on this one of these days, but I can't get released yet to preach on it. But there's all kinds of articles, Reader's Digest, and, and uh, they're all voicing the spiritualist doctrine. Well, uh, those on the other side. And when you die, it's just... Ooh, I died, and it just was, uh, it was peace and light, and oh, it was just wonderful. Well, Jesus gave us a little picture, and that doesn't agree with his picture. And Jesus said, and, and he died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Okay, but that's not the final state, you see. The final state is that there will be a resurrection unto damnation. It speaks of the resurrection of judgment. It speaks of the second death. And so all who are unsaved, will be resurrected unto damnation. And, and theirs will... Because, you see, we can, let's look at it this way. See, we, our, our, our reward of salvation, we can't receive the full impact of that in this life. It's impossible. See, it's incapable. Until we are resurrected and, and changed into that eternal body, we can't f receive the full blessing and benefit that God has for us. See, we can't stand it. Our, our faculties, uh, our wiring system won't take it. It'll blow. See, we can't receive that. So God has to change us for what He has for us, and then we can, we can receive that. All right. We cannot receive the full recompense of this salvation in these present bodies. We can't, we can't take it. Jesus said, I've got many things to say unto you. He even said that to the disciples. He said, you can't take it yet. You're going to have to wait until the Holy Ghost comes. And when He comes, He's going to help you. He's going to put something in that will help you. But even that isn't the final. Okay. In a like manner, also the lost, sister cannot see you receive the full recompense of judgment until they too are resurrected at the, at the resurrection of damnation. that answer your question? Tom. There's a there's a period there which we need to teach on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get together and teach on that. But I don't want to go into that at the moment, but uh, but the, let, let's suffice it for the moment. Is we better get saved now, <laughs> sister? Yes, in the presence of the Lord. Now uh, uh, there is a, a popular cult teachings of soul sleep. Well, that's not Bible. Second Corinthians 5 says, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
There's no intermediate state when we just go into a passivity and that's there. We immediately go to be with the Lord. Revelation goes ahead and brings that out. The Bible teaches clearly that when you and I die as believers, we are in that moment present with the Lord, consciously with the Lord. Hebrews says we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Talks of, uh, in Hebrews in another place, of, uh, of, the, of the spirits of just men made perfect. These are in heaven. Uh, Revelation talks of, of a class of people before God winds up the final thing. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, they, are, they are around the throne of God. And they've been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus. See, so the evidence of biblical truth. See, any cult builds on half a truth. And, uh, and so, uh, this is why I said the other night, if you want to get your mind hassled, just mess around with groups that go all in. This is, this is what this group that I talked about the other night. This is what they teach. It's soul sleep. It isn't Bible. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists teach it. Uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses teach it. And uh, who knows whatever else. But see, the book, the book, the book speaks. Praise God. The book tells it like it is. And Jesus said, He gives us that picture, Luke 16, 19. No parable. See, this is no parable. You read it, Luke 16, 19. This is no story. This is no illustration. See, uh, to say that this is an illustration is not biblical, but, but even if it was an illustration, it would mean that Jesus told a lie to illustrate a truth. <laughs> That's logical, isn't it? <laughs> he said... Here's a rich man. He didn't give a hang about anybody else. He just lived, fared sumptuously every day, got out his purple robe, and uh, he had nice big roast duck and roast turkey and lamb chops and roast, and, and he just lived it up and said, Man, this is really neat. I must have the blessing of God upon my life because I've got plenty. And here was this certain poor beggar laid at his gate named Lazarus, full of sores, desiring to eat the garbage off the rich man's table. And it came to pass that the rich man died, and in hell, being in torments, he lifted up his eyes. And Lazarus died too, but he was carried by the angels under Abraham's bosom. And the rich man lifted up his eyes, and seeing uh, Lazarus afar off, and in Abraham's bosom, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip his finger in water and uh, cool my burning tongue, for I am tormented by these flames. And Abraham said unto him, Son, in your days you've had it uh, neat, and it was cool and groovy, and you didn't care about anybody else but yourself, and you thought just being rich meant that you had a handle on God. Uh, and so uh, I can't... Uh, and, and now Lazarus is blessed, and you're tormented. And he said, Besides that, there's a great gulf fixed, and he cannot pass from, you, from, uh, from where he is to where you are, and neither can you pass from where you are to where he is. But it's an eternal state of separation. See, Jesus gives us a picture of reality. You read that sometime. This means that those that are saved immediately. Praise God. Sister Margaret. Every sinner hopes that, doesn't they? Sure. Extinction. Every sinner. See, he's saying that. When you die, you die. 
I got news for you. When you die, the body, you just put off the body. You don't cease to exist. See, Jesus told us the truth about eternity. We stirred up. The reason this sister knows that she got saved out of that mess. Sister? The dead in Christ? Well, we who are believers, and we have, uh, in First Peter says, that my, even as my Lord has shown me that I must put off my tabernacle. This is my tabernacle. And so this is what it means to be dead, but, it, but it's easy to use the word, the dead in Christ. Or there, in other words, this means those that have put off their body, but they're saved. It says, those shall rise first. In other words, their body shall be changed. See, put the scripture together. We've been reading this morning, First Corinthians 15. Yes, reuniting of the soul and the body and the spirit in that resurrection state. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. You see, because we really aren't this body. This isn't really. This is. This is just a part of us, but it's not us. See, if this were so, why cut off your arm? Cut off two arms. Cut off both legs. Would you cease to be you? See, that's just where you live. This is, the Scripture says, this is the tent that we live in. And not a very good one at that. (laughs) But thank God, we're not going to remain like this. Glory. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be handsome. <laughs> Praise God. Full head of hair and uh, good features. I don't know about you. Maybe you're happy with the way you are, but I uh, there's, a, there's room for improvement here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Sister Burgess? No, it does not. Because the Scripture teaches us that many will not be saved. As a matter of fact, it leads us to believe there's more that are not going to be saved than more that are saved. But what it means is Revelation 20, at the great white throne judgment, it says, Every mouth shall be stopped, there be no defense. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But it does not mean that they're going to be saved. No. Clear teaching of Scripture is that there will be multitudes that will not be saved. Fred? Yeah, I understand that. I've clarified that in about three classes. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He was talking about something that Nicodemus had not received, but could receive in that moment. This is also talking of, uh, of uh, uh, Titus 3, 5. Uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us, past tense, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Same, it's the same identical statement. Born again, regeneration are exactly the same description. And He's talking about something that has happened to every believer. 
You know what you ought to do with Armstrong's books and articles? You ought to burn them. And when you hear him, I won't listen to the guy. He's, he preaches a lot on prophecy, and, I, and I'm interested in prophecy, but I'll not listen to a false prophet. Yeah, well, he says a lot of things. It's, uh, he's a deluded soul. Okay, justification by faith. We want to uh, look in the Scripture and, uh, and come to grips with justification and righteousness. And uh, as a matter of fact, John, over in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, the Apostle John, says if they do not speak according to this message, you're not even to receive them into your house or bid them Godspeed. He said, don't listen to them or be around them. He gives us that command. Now, that would include radio and television. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Boy, I tell you, I am hair-lipping the devil today. I can feel vibrations coming off. I felt unbelief a while ago, and thank God. And I can, you might as well know, brother, that I am a sensitive preacher. When I feel that, I press it. I get the thyroid gland. Glory to God. And I squeeze it. Amen. And I feel the devil rise up against me. I don't just quit. Thank God. And I'm hair-lipping somebody in here this morning. And the Lord bless you. I love you. But you ought to get back to the book. Amen. Justification by faith. Okay. Justified means treated as righteous. This is this mind-blowing, wonderful plan of salvation. You bunch of vile critters do not deserve a thing from God. I can tell you that. Neither do I. We have nothing that we deserve from God. There's enough vileness represented in this building to absolutely gag a goat. For within, Jesus said, you said, oh, you sit there so pious. I'm righteous. I don't have any sin. Well, if you're saved, but <laughs> if you're not, Jesus said, within out of the heart of man comes a horrible mess. Second Corinthians five twenty one over here. There's a righteousness provided in Tom Thompson, Second Corinthians five twenty one, Romans three twenty eight, Brother Van Dyke. There's an act uh, act of God whereby there is a righteousness provided. Now I'm going to tell you something that this righteousness is something that unless God provides it, there's no way that you and I are going to get it. Because we don't have the equipment. We don't have the capability for this righteousness which God demands. Oh, we do some good acts. We, we, uh, we buy our wife some flowers sometimes if, the, if the things are a little rough at home. We may get to feeling uh, like the prison bars are going to close around us and we may uh, make restitution. Amen. We'll dump some of the booty that we've burgled out of somebody's house, get rid of it. Instead of selling it, our conscience may bother us and we may send the Internal Revenue Service $25 and say, that's for what I cheated you out of last year, anonymous. <laughs> Amen. But see, that's not righteousness. See, we, we, we need a righteousness that begins at the breath of birth and ends when our breath goes ends at death. And unless we have that kind of righteousness, 
God says we're not going to make it. And so if we're going to have that kind of right, you and I are smart enough to know that it's going to have to come from somebody besides us. Second Corinthians 5.21. Thank God for a plan of salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Calvary, He, God, has made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, Him who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Romans 3.28 We conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of of keeping the Ten Commandments. An act of divine reckoning. This is what this means. It does not mean to make a purchase righteousness because it is by faith and not of works. Look quickly with me at Romans 3.28 and I'd like to, uh, to uh, read uh, these verses of Scripture. Romans 3.28 One of the most comprehensive statements. Uh, we might... Uh, as a matter of fact, we ought to go back to Romans uh, 3.21. And we'll share together that entire passage of Scripture through Romans 4.8. And then we'll have, we can, maybe we'll have uh, time for a couple of minutes' discussion. But now, the righteousness of the God, separate or apart from the law, is manifested or demonstrated, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a satisfaction through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified or made righteous by faith separate from or apart from the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God who shall justify the circumcision by, by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make the, uh, void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. What shall we say then uh, that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something of which to glory but not before God. In other words, if, 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 if Abraham had works that he could boast of, he might boast before man or before his society, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth righteousness, separate from or apart from works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Eleven times... In this chapter 3, the word count, reckon, and impute is used. These are the same word, which means put to one's account. Thank God. 
Are you listening to me this morning? Put to one's account. Now, if I went down to most people in this building and I gathered all your credit cards and your loans together, amen, and you'd shout, Hallelujah! And I'd say, I want to pay these off. <laughs> they would be a revival in this place. <laughs> this is exactly what God has done for the debt of sin we owe. He's gathered them all together from Massachusetts, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Jersey, New York City, California, Texas. Everywhere, all the sins that you committed in all those places and in Prescott gathered them all together and to your account he put the blood of Jesus Christ if you will receive it and stamped on your account in heaven's books are paid in full. And not only that, but he took the contract. You know, that, uh, that note that uh, was there that's had all the terms and stipulations in it, the contract, and stamped on the contract, and then sent an angel of the Lord down into the depths of the sea, in the Mindanao Deep or some such place, and buried them so that no man could ever see them or dig them up. Isn't that wonderful? Impute, justify, reckon, count. All of these means that the bill is paid in full. That is justification, and that's what salvation has to do with. Maybe we've got a question or two. We've got about two minutes. Anybody? Sister? Yes. But Abraham was saved by faith. And it says that. It says Abraham was saved by faith 430 years before the Ten Commandments were ever given. And how it was, was as he was walking along one day, and God said to him, Abraham, said, look at the stars in the sky. You count them, and if you could count them, so shall your seed be. Now, Abraham had never had a son. And Sarah's womb was barren. Besides that, Abraham was a 75-year-old man. And Sarah was about 65, past the age of childbearing. And Abraham didn't say, well, God, you know, I don't well, uh, ah, right. He said, God, I believe that. And God said to Abraham, you're a righteous man because you believe my word. And it was counted to him for righteousness. That's what we read right here in this scripture. Because Abraham took God at his word, God wrote to Abraham's account, Abraham is a righteous man. Now to you and I, God says to you and I, Jesus died on Calvary's cross for your sins, paid the debt in full, and wrote, paid in full, and God has declared that by raising him from the dead. And God says, if you believe that, I'll write to your account, paid in full. I don't have time to elaborate on that, but you can take it from there. The Lord bless you. We're out of time next week.